0: California.
1: <laughs> Weather headlines for today. Yes. <laughs> Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell, and today we're gonna be talking about the importance of brand tracking. Joining us is Angelie Mullins, who is the Chief Marketing Officer and Growth Officer at Latana, which is an AI-powered brand tracking tool that helps brands make better marketing decisions by delivering scalable insights. So far this week, we've talked about the power and purpose of brand tracking. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about how brand tracking impacts revenue. Okay, here's my conversation with Angelie Mullins, the Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at Latana. Boy, heck of a conversation yesterday. We, we really just dogpiled onto poor Elon. I'm pretty sure this is the podcast that's going to tip over Elon just because we ripped on what's happening there. I know that was sort of the bookend to Old Spice, really interesting as well. And I think that's really where I wanna start. And our topic here is really how we can use brand tracking, right, to impact revenue. We're not talking about how brand impacts revenue, talking about how tracking impacts revenue. And I'm gonna take a wild guess here and say that this is likely a function of understanding how your brand and its ups and downs over time impacts your ability to make good go-to-market decisions. Do I have that right?
1: Exactly right, Doug. (laughs) So the value of brand tracking is over time. And a lot of our customers are tracking it either monthly, quarterly, or biannually. And you can see those changes over time. A lot of our customers are, of course, tracking brand awareness in their different markets or with a very particular targeted audience segmentation over time. And that's going to correlate to revenue. And so this is where, you know, that really makes a difference. We also do industry competitive benchmarking, you know, as an example. And the very specific one is we ask specific questions about propensity to purchase. This is really kind of one of the keys that unlocks the revenue. If you can get the right cohort of clients, and that's the first step, if you get the right cohort of clients, you ask them propensity generating questions then you can really turn the key and figure out what are the actions internally within the company that you need to take in order to make that revenue jump to the next level. So I would say yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, fantastic. I have to say, though, I'm really curious about really how you bookend. This is a conversation to think about bookends, ultimately. How do you bookend that survey-based approach? Is there other data that you guys are using? Because that's one really critical data source, right? Propensity to buy based on customers, based on prospects. Are there other ways you guys validate that information?
1: So there's different types of KPIs that we are collecting. So general awareness I would say is the big one and you can split that up and segment that out. The next one is purchase drivers. So what is causing customers to purchase your product or your service? The next one is the market sizing. This one's actually very important and goes back to the critical product market fit that all SaaS companies really need to be on top of. And a lot of times, if they're not able to scale from one stage to the next, it usually has something to do with product market fit. So this is a key one. As you continue to move downstream, then we get into more customized KPIs. So this is where you talk about the associations. This is where you talk about the key questions that you can ask that are very particular to your business and to your industry, and can even go down to a granular level on a campaign level, launching into a new market. It really depends on the use case of the company, but you have to start more at the top of the funnel which is the brand awareness, and then you move all the way down, you know, to the end. But these are the bookends, so to speak.
0: Okay. And I'm curious, is there a role for intent data either with Latana or with others? In other words, how does intent data potentially play a role to sort of validate the metrics you're talking about? Or is that maybe too far out in the future for us to consider?
1: Intent has to do with timing and it has to do with the use case. So these are the things that you have to set the survey up correctly to get the outcomes that you're looking for. So this is something in brand tracking and taking surveys. If you ask somebody a question and it's very general, you're going to get a general answer. If you ask something very specific, you're going to get a more granular answer. So this is something in a survey you have to do in stages, and this is why brand tracking takes place over time. If we could do it at all and we could understand the intent at one time, we would be probably the next unicorn in in the next two minutes.
0: So a situation that I think happens to, and it's happening a lot actually currently, but it happens to all of us is, we have these sudden disruptions in the normal course of business through the lens of our KPIs. Poor site performance is an example. I mean, speed of site, I'm meaning people aren't spending as much time on site, people aren't converting on the site. We also find things like meetings are getting pushed. So, you know, it's harder to generate revenue because, It's a little squishy out there. The prospects aren't showing up for calls, et cetera. And quite often, we are left kind of grasping at the why, right? So it tends to be anecdotal. We talk to the sales organization. They go, you know what? Their budgets are getting cut. Great, fantastic, got it. I have to say the most recent sort of down cycle for B2B SaaS organizations, it's not hard to understand what's happening, right? So there's not a ton of subtlety there. But I bring up that example simply because there's this whole huge amount of ambiguity that occurs because guess what? the impact of a down economy on one brand versus the other can be dramatically different, right? So I'm curious, how often are folks using this brand tracking data to actually take a look and say, this is why my business is turning in a, a negative direction and of course, in a positive direction?
1: So I'll give you an example and we'll kind of uh, take a step back to COVID times. I know not a lot of us not, don't wanna relive that, but at the same time, it had a huge impact on the airline industry for obvious reasons. Even though that industry was pretty much on pause or on freeze, they still did brand tracking. Why? They wanted to know what was going to be important to consumers when airline travel opened up again. Smart. We also do for, for example, the Philip Morris's of the world. So you know, people that make cigarettes and things that might not have the best correlations or associations, depending on who you're asking for, or even people that produce oil that have you know, associations with the environment. They still want to know what the perception is of consumers in the industry and how they can turn it around. So it's not just companies that are going to market for the first time or launching a campaign or going to a new country. It's also industries and companies that are either going through a downturn by nature might not have the best impression or perception associations. These KPIs are extremely valuable for those companies as well, and I would argue could even be more so.
0: So I'm thinking here in terms of, the folks we've been scolding a bit, right? And these are the folks that, like me, tend to, because of the pressure from investors, over-focus on performance marketing. In other words, pipeline and revenue. I have heard this podcast. I'm amazed by the brilliance of the host and of the guests. I am converted, right? I have, I'm ready to go. So yesterday, you recommended brand identity. What else would you recommend folks do, aside from purchasing Latana right away, get on the site, go buy the software, aside from that? What else would you recommend if you're sort of thinking early? I talk to a lot of kind of incubator startup founders, they're invariably engineers, right? They struggle with even just how the go-to-market gets pulled off. So they're listening, you have the audience. What would you recommend they do as a start?
1: Build a brand. I know that sounds ridiculously conventional and simple. I'm here in Europe. I come from the United States. And as you know, in the United States, companies start with brand and marketing first, and they'll sell you anything. Take the example of the Apple iPhone that comes out every year. The iPhone might not even be built yet, but they put out the website and they take those pre-orders. In Europe, they don't tend to do that. They tend to focus on building a product first without actually thinking if anyone wants to buy it. So it's a completely different setup. And what I found is there are a lot of SaaS companies out there that say, okay, we have a product. We don't know if anyone wants to buy it, but they don't have the brand. So build the brand.
0: So at the same time, I'm thinking about product to market fit. At the same time, I'm thinking about product structure. I'm thinking about my UI. You're saying build your brand identity and think about how you want your brand to be perceived at the start. At the start. Okay.
1: And this is what usually happens. You go through angel, you know, you have seed, you go through series A, you're pushing, you're trying to get the performance marketing, you're trying to get those growth curves to go up for your ARR. And then what happens? You get what I call the hungry performance marketing ghost comes in and you find that you're hitting that wall and then the light goes off and you're saying, oh my gosh, what do we stand for? Do our customers actually relate to us? It's really interesting, Doug. We did a webinar about this earlier this year, all about consumer behavior and how consumer behavior has changed. And we did a survey all across the world to figure out what were the key things. The one thing we found is that consumers are actually using their wallets to make statements about the values that companies have. In this case, were they sustainable? Package delivery, how they treat their employees – Customers were using their wallets to make a statement and wanted to align their purchasing behavior with companies that match their values. We also found that in the marketing arena, when you talk about campaigns and branding, customers were relating to campaigns and branding that had more of an emotional tie that talked about real customers and real life problems, not just throwing up the random celebrity or paying, you know, for something super glamorous. They wanted to talk about things like postpartum depression, you know, girls who are being pressured to have a certain look at a, you know, a younger age, men that had mental illness and didn't want to talk about it, you know, in the workplace. These types of real issues, this is what was connecting. So it's really interesting to see, but yes, build a brand, make sure you have the right associations, but just start and start At the beginning, because a lot of times what happens, especially with SaaS companies, they focus on performance marketing, and then they hit the wall, and then they figure out they have no identity. And sometimes it becomes too late because the market and the industry can decide that identity for you. It's harder to catch up than it is to start at the beginning.
0: Great advice. Fantastic advice, folks. So for those of us that maybe are a little later on, it's recoverable. You just have to understand your brand perception. You can measure it make sure it lines up with your brand identity and make sure you're moving forward with awareness and brand building programs that match that to the audience makes tons of sense. For those of you out in Y Combinator land, and there's a lot of them, it's not as hard as it used to be. It's still hard to start a startup. Think about your brand identity along with your product and along with your go to market at the same time. Fantastic conversation. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. That wraps up this episode of the revenue generator podcast. Thanks, Angelie Mullins, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at Latana for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Angela, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit the company website at latana.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't get a chance to take notes, shame on you while listening to this podcast. Head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator Podcast. Or you can share your own new generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is at MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen Strategies in your podcast feed, we'll publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.